The human brain is critical to a child's development. Within a few years of life, it enables us to sit, walk, talk, and even eventually make decisions. But for those suffering from neurological conditions such as epilepsy, that journey can be complicated. I'm Dr. Derivaux-Pierre, a pediatric neurosurgeon at Children's Hospital in London, Ontario, Canada. And today I'll be talking about the ROSA robotic arm, a life-changing technology that allows teams at LHSC Children's Hospital to perform creative surgeries on children with drug-resistant epilepsy. The ROSA allows us to provide leading-edge care while saving resources, reducing wait time, and alternately enhancing the quality of life for children with epilepsy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Robot Industry Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Sandrine Duripierre. She earned her MD at the University of Geneva in Switzerland. After a neurosurgery residency in Lausanne, Switzerland, she completed an epilepsy fellowship in the Fondation Rothschild in Paris, then a pediatric neurosurgery fellowship at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto. She is currently working as a pediatric neurosurgeon at the Children's Hospital in London Health Sciences Centre in London, Ontario, with some involvement in adult trauma and skull-based cases. In April 2022, she was appointed as Research Chair of Pediatric Neurosurgery and Neuroscience at Children's Hospital at LHSC. In this role, she leads a multidisciplinary team to improve neurosurgery outcomes by furthering our understanding of brain development and how it is impacted by complex diagnoses like epilepsy, hydrocephalus, tumors, and traumatic brain injury. The team also leverages augmented and virtual reality tools to improve surgical planning and patient experience. Dr. Du Pierre is also a professor at the Schulich School of Medicine and Dentistry at Western University in London, where her main research areas are medical education, using virtual and augmented reality as an educational tool with a special interest in neuroanatomy and neuroimaging, investigating both the normal brain development and how it is affected by some neurological pathologies. Sandrine, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. And a fun fact for our listeners is we're recording this in London, Ontario, and we live only a few blocks away from each other. London is also a city rich with important medical research and discovery. As a dad to a physician, uh, Sandrine, I understand that the road to your practice and research is rarely a straight one. Can you tell us about your path to this very niche practice and application of your surgical skills? Okay, so after completing my neurosurgery residence in Lausanne, where I was lucky to be trained by Professor Guy Villemur, who is a Quebecois who actually was uh, one of Rasmussen's students, so already had a special interest in epilepsy, I went on to complete a pediatric epilepsy fellowship in Paris with Olivier de Lalonde, who at that time was already using uh, a robotic arm to implant electrodes, and then a pediatric neurosurgery fellowship at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto. While I already had completed a research thesis, like a PhD in Switzerland, I then underwent a master thesis in neuroimaging for research at the University of Edinburgh, which allowed me to further my understanding of the application of technology to assist how the brain is uh, developing and how it is impacted by complex diagnoses like epilepsy, tumors, and traumatic, traumatic brain injury. Through my research and clinical practice, I've also sp spent time looking on how surgeons can leverage augmented and virtual reality tools to improve surgical planning and the patient experience. I was first involved with our uh, national research center in Canada and was part of the con neurosurgical consultant helping them to design the NeuroTouch, which is a virtual reality neurosurgical simulator. 
Then I continued in that direction with my closest colleague, Professor Roy Eagleson, here in engineering at the University of Western Ontario to design and evaluate augmented and virtual reality simulators. And when we think that survival rates of patients with complex neurosurgical diagnosis have increased in the last decades, the goals of my practice have been to advance personalized surgical planning to optimize their outcome and focus on improving the quality of life after surgery. Thank you for that. Tell us about the impact that ROSA has had on patients and the neurosurgical team at LHSC's Children's Hospital. Yeah, so if we think of uh, children with epilepsy, they have been historically an underserved population, and this disease can cause lasting damage for, from seizure to behavioral problems and intellectual disabilities, as well as depression and severe anxiety. In Ontario alone, 95,000 people have epilepsy, including about 15,000 children. While most epilepsy can be treated with medication, around 30% of them are drug-resistant, which means that taking medication will not help in stopping their seizures. Surgery might then be an option if the seizure coming from a relatively localized area in the brain. In order to know that, we conduct a series of tests such as MRI, PET, EEG, and in some cases, scalp EEG. So basically having the, the electrodes on top of the head, which is the, the things that people think of when they see an EEG, that's not enough. It's not specific enough to localize that brain area. And therefore, we need to implant electrodes either on the surface of the brain or within the brain in order to have a more precise localization. So it is essential to treat these children early um, because the longer you have epilepsy, the more negative impact of the repetitive seizures and the side effect of medication um, are important on the developing brain. There are two options to record the brain directly, either an open craniotomy, so an opening in the skull to place a sheet of plastic containing electrodes on the surface of the brain called a grid or subdural electrodes, or to place really thin wires with electrodes within the brain, a procedure that we call stereoencephalography or SEEG. This second option is minimally, minimally invasive but requires to be extremely precise in order to avoid the different vessels present on the surface and within the brain. So SEEG is a method that allows three-dimensional recording of activity anywhere in the brain. It can be done using a frame. So basically you can think of a metal box with open side that is screwed on the head of the patient, and then you do an image. So you read a CT scan and you calculate the trajectory. If you don't have a robotic arm, you can go with that frame. And it has been done um, that way for more than 60 years. It was uh, first done in Paris with people called Jean Talerac and Jean Bonco. Um, and it's still used in a lot of centers that don't have the advantage of having a robotic arm. However, doing it manually, it's about four to five times longer in the operating room. Each trajectory needs to be calculated and then manually adjust that for each electrode. So you have a little computer telling you the coordinates in the X, Y, and Z axis, and then you have to reproduce that on the frame of the patient. Uh, and therefore, you can imagine there is a large risk of human error, which is eliminated with the robotic arm. In average, you can think that we put about 10 to 20 electrodes in, in each patient. 
So the Rosa Robotic Arm arrived at the Children's Hospital in London just in time for the Epilepsy Day on Saturday, March 26th last year. We were able to obtain it thanks to our epilepsy director, Dr. Andrea Andrade, as well as the Children's Health Foundation, who was able to raise the money and local donors. While we had access to a robotic arm of a different model at University Hospital before that, um, and actually using the University Hospital robotic arm, we were the first center um, to perform a pediatric uh, robotically assisted case in Ontario in 2018. Um, having a robot right uh, at Children's Hospital is life-changing to assist children with, who, with epilepsy. First, it enables to us to treat the children in the children's hospital without having to transport them right after surgery across the city. And for people that don't know London, it's about a 20, 25 minute um, ride if you don't have the train stucking you in the middle. Um, but uh, also the model that we have is slightly different than the one that is at University Hospital. And our model of robotic arm is able to work without first placing a frame on the head of the patient. So you you don't have to put the frame, go back to uh, do an image and re-register the uh, patient. And therefore, it's much safer as you cannot put a frame with screws on the skull of a patient. Adults can tolerate that. In children, you have to put them asleep. And therefore, it means having to move, move an asleep patient and intubate it across the hospital from the OR to the radiology area and back before surgery. Okay. Um, to give you an idea of the workflow, so after discussing each case as a multidisciplinary team, we plan the trajectory of the electrodes on a software linked to the ROSA. As discussed earlier, these electrodes allow us to pinpoint to the seizure origin on the brain and then move forward with the treatment plan. So without the SEEG, um, we would need to do a more invasive procedure with opening the skull to place a grid or a subdural electrodes um, and that larger surgery is typically associated with higher risk of bleeding, infection, and typically causes children more pain and nausea for several days afterwards. They also need to go to our uh, pediatric critical care unit, unit after the operation. But since with the ROSA, we typically make tiny holes in the skull in order to insert the electrodes, the children can recover really well with few side effects and without going to intensive care after the implantation of the electrodes. So using the ROSA really reduces the risk for a pediatric patient and improves their quality of life. Another advantage of having a robot directly at Children's Hospital instead of using the adult one across the city is the access to operating rooms. So LHSC and Children's Hospital have made the children as epilepsy a priority, and therefore this decreased the wait time for this surgery instead of being impacted by the adult epilepsy wait time. Our young patient will no longer have to wait multiple years for life-saving surgery. ROSA is also, also saving staff time and hospital resources. Um, as previously, we needed to move the full pediatric team across back and forth um, in the city. Uh, having anesthesia and nursing go to university hospital and come back for each cases. The ROSA has already demonstrated the potential to innovate care for pediatric epilepsy patients at Children's Hospital. So since the arrival of the ROSA, we have had seven of our kids, that's about 10% of our wait list, that um, received 
first the SEEG, but then a second procedure after that um, to cure them of their epilepsy. And that has reduced our wait time by two or three months. So the, the ROSA allows us to complete an important work on site directly at Children's Hospital, and therefore the family experience less distress than being moved around uh, across the city. Uh, and they have more emotional support as they continue to access the pediatric-specific resources, uh, such as uh, li child life specialist, uh, music and art therapy, and uh, our uh, OLLI, our therapeutic uh, clown. In tandem with receiving less invasive and state-of-the-art medical heart, uh, medical care, our pediatric patients with epilepsy are also well supported to process the difficult emotion and anxiety that comes with hospital life and major surgeries. And that, that's awesome. Thank you very much for that, Sandrine. And we don't really talk a lot about how technology can affect the family's experience in, in this. So I think that's really cool. I think we're going to have to have another conversation about that. But I have another question. Is the technology developing rapidly? And what work are you doing to advance children's neurosurgeries through these technologies? Yeah, so interestingly, it's, it's not developing that rapidly. So the ROSA has helped to advance our practice and raise the standard of care for epilepsy patients in London and southwestern Ontario region. Um, but I actually was trained on a previous version of that robotic arm years ago when I did my fellowship in Paris. Um, and, and that was in the earlier 2000. And um, we can see over the year that there is some development in the software of the robot. Um, but overall, the, the concept was there and, and we don't see major changes. The, um, the planning of the trajectory in the brain is, however, a bit easier now than previously. And we have more way of displaying and rotating the image. So they, they did a lot of improvement trying to, to visually improve the surgeon experience. Um, but the the robotic arm itself has not changed much. Um, however, if we think of the robotic arm compared to uh, what the frame was years ago, then uh, it really allows us to to pinpoint and plan neurosurgically um, a lot faster. This ROSA, compared to other arms, is especially fitted for children as it does not need the support of a frame on the head of the patient. Um, and therefore, it's the exact tool that our neurosurgical team needs um, to perform life-changing surgery and uh, at Children's Hospital. However, there's still a lot of improvement that could be made in order to facilitate the integration of all information during the planning of surgery. The um, integration of virtual and augmented reality when discussing the case as a medical team to plan the electrode's trajectory would be a bonus. At the moment, we discuss as a team, we look at multiple things that are all separate, if you want. You will look at the MRI, we look at the scalp EEG, so the signal, was it coming from the right, the front, the back, the, uh, we have a, an idea where on the head, we, uh, we're looking at different imaging, such as PET and SPECT, but it's not integrated um, into one um, software where we could really be able to register everything and see them in three dimensions, for example, if we were to use augmented uh, reality. In addition, um, we have to plan extremely uh, accurately where the vessels are, um, but we also need to know where language is, where motor function is. So 
all, all of that information that can be given by functional imaging, such as fMRI, where you ask the patient to do a task in the magnet and then rec record where the signal is coming from in their brain, we are trying to integrate that in the workflow of the robot. At the moment, it's not, but in our lab, we're working on neuroimaging to understand the complex brain network and how they are modified by epilepsy. But also, what are the best way to display them to a medical team in order to make complex information easier to uh, process? I think robotic arms, such as the ROSA, can also be used in other surgery, especially endoscopy, for example, in intraventricular tumor removal and some treatment of complex hydrocephalus, um, especially if it's paired with imaging tools um, when planning for the surgery in order to remove a brain tumor. So I think we need to work on how to integrate better other pre-surgical modalities, such as functional imaging, SPECT, PETS, MEG, and even scalp EEG in the planning of specific trajectories. Um, however, that is a challenging uh, aspect at the moment and requires knowledge of a multidisciplinary team composed of basic scientists and clinicians. So the idea would be to be able to develop a workflow that would enable clinicians to have access to that information and to th that type of workflow without having the large multidisciplinary team of the uh, basic uh, scientists around. Um, but that will take a few years, I think, to get there. Thank you for that. And there sounds like there's some opportunities there for uh, making it a lot simpler. So how do you stay ahead of the training and practicing skills when you're just trying to get our time and, and keep up the care of your patients? So I think as any physician and surgeon, one important aspect of our work is to stay up to date with current knowledge. Um, and I usually do that by attending at conferences and discussing with my colleagues at national or international levels. Um, we also learn constantly by having new and challenging cases. Um, so by saving our time, for example, Rosa allows us to have more time for research and to read in order to stay ahead, but also to operate on a larger volume, which increases our experience. Uh, that being said, Children's Hospital and LHSC um, are a university hospital and we're a training resident and fellow. And the ROSA brings increased opportunity for training and expertise as people are interested in coming here to learn about it. It also helps us attract new talent as fellow really want an exposure to that technology. I think as a, as a teacher, where I have residents and fellows coming in the OR, um, actually trying to explain things to them and to, to make them understand the case um, actually also help us uh, keep ahead of the training and practices skill. It makes us think about questions that they might have and you never thought about. So being able to be in a training environment is great in that aspect. Now, with Children's Hospital as part of London Health Science Centre, uh, LHSE Academic Realignment Initiative, um, training with new technology and innovating technology is really encourage in our environment. This year, our epilepsy fellow, Dr. Botan, was awarded an LHSC research fellowship, which enabled him to come from Argentina, for example, and be with our team to do both clinical work and research. And as I said earlier, observing training, local or international operates, and teaching them is also helping us to stay up to date and constantly question how to do things in order to improve ourselves. Thank you for that, Sandrine. 
What does Rosa mean for patients and families in the region? What is the reaction you would have had from patients or their parents when they find out there's going to be a robot involved in the surgery? LHSC was the first center in Ontario to perform a robotically assisted SEG in a child. Children's Hospital is one of two pediatric centers in Ontario to have this specific technology available for uh, epilepsy patients with sick kids in Toronto, and they actually have a different version of a robotic arm there. But DeRosa has helped us to advance our practice and raise the standard of care for epilepsy patients in London and South Ontario, um, southwestern Ontario region. Before Children's Hospital had the ROSA, our pediatric neurological, uh, neurosurgical and neurological team and patient had to be transferred to another hospital campus for their surgery to use the robotic arm that was largely developed for adults. Patients and family are quite happy to know that they'll benefit from minimally invasive surgery right here at Children's Hospital. They understand that it allows us to be more precise and decrease the risk of the investigation. And many children like the idea of having a robot in the room. Even if our robotic arm doesn't quite look like robots that they would have seen in movies, they're still quite excited at that idea. So uh, from our conversation, the ROSA came to you in March 2022, a year ago. How much have you had the opportunity in the last year to work with the technology? Yeah, so it arrived in March um, last year. And um, basically, it's an extremely expensive uh, piece of equipment, as you can think. So the Children's Health Foundation helped to fund over uh, $750,000 for this state-of-the-art equipment. It included donations from many generous families, foundation, and individual to help bring this innovative technology at Children's Hospital. This uh, fundraising effort and the arrival of the ROSA to the Children's Hospital allowed us to get to work and begin performing um, the uh, the surgeries in the late spring and over the summer. So over the summer and year, uh, early fall, we were able to treat seven pediatric patients, which is over 10% of our wait list. Late fall and early winter, as you may have heard, due to COVID and RSV, there were no hospital bed available for any elective surgery in the province. And unfortunately, that had to uh, pause a bit our uh, epilepsy program. But since then, we have been able to resume our activity in February, and we have a few surgery already planned in the next few months. Overall, the ROSA has reduced the wait list for pediatric patients requiring uh, epileptic procedure, cutting the wait list for about three months. That's great news. Thank you so much for that. So I'm pretty sure that in any surgery, you have a team around you. How does a team in a robotic surgery differ from a typical OR team? So yes, there is a large team involved in treating epilepsy and not only in the OR. First, the pediatric epileptologists, Dr. Andrade and Dr. Nouri, with their fellow, um, with whom we discuss the case in detail and decide which region of the brain need to be investigated with depth electrodes. Then in the OR, I typically have a neurosurgical, neurosurgical resident and a fellow, and there is also a scrub nurse and a circulating nurse. We have the chance of also being assisted by an engineer coming from the company selling the robot to assist during the procedure. So overall, the team isn't too different from a typical OR team, as we each have an important role to play, but the robot make it faster and more accurate. Um, It doesn't really replace any of us. It just makes it safer. Thank you for that. Where does the surgeon stop and the robot begin? Or do you feel you're one and the same in the OR? 
Well, unlike other surgical specialties where dissection, cutting, or tying a knot is done by the robot directed by the surgeon, um, and I'm thinking uh, of the Da Vinci robot that's used in abdominal thoracic uh, surgery, where basically you're using the surgeon's hand are directly manipulating the robot through an interface. Here, the robot is calculating a trajectory and placing itself in a specific point on the scalp with a specific angle. But all the cutting, drilling, advancing the electrodes is done by the surgeon. In the future, there might be further advancement of the technology with more steps being done through a robot, but there will always be a trained professional operating the robot on the other end. What does the future look like for robotics at the London Health Sciences Center? through either your clinical practice or research? And, and what do you see yourself working on? Oh, that's a good question. So looking ahead, we have lots of projects, but uh, a few that, uh, that uh, I would like to highlight maybe is leveraging advanced medical imaging like functional uh, MRI or fMRI, 3D ultrasound, and functional near-infrared spectroscopy, and integrating them in the workflow of the pl planning of the trajectory. So our research team is interested in collaborating with the developers of the robotic arm in order to help other centers to have access to a more integrated workflow. I also think that some more basic science question and research I'm conducting in order to understand the brain networks and how they are affected by neurosurgical pathology will also be relevant in advancing on comprehensive integrative planning system for the robots. So for example, um, virtual and augmented reality, I already touched on that, but during our multidisciplinary seizures conference, it is sometimes difficult to visualize the epileptic network. As surgeons, we're used to seeing the brain in 3D, but that's not the case for all the members in the team. Therefore, advancing on the visualization and using uh, virtual and augmented reality to discuss the case with different modalities in integrated would help everyone understand better. It can also be used to explain to the patient and their families. We are also looking at tools to design a virtual Children's Hospital in collaboration with child life specialists and other um, physicians in, in the hospital. This would allow patients to experience Children's Hospital through virtual reality prior to a hospital visit. So they'll be in game, they'll be able to walk virtually, virtually into different rooms, enter the MRI, lie down to get an MRI, then go to the operating room and experience different scenarios tailored to their individual needs to help them understand what's going to happen. And the hope is that will lessen their, their anxiety. Our goal with all this work is to enhance the patient and family experience while advancing Children's Hospital as a leader in pediatric neurosurgery. And together, we hope to generate knowledge and greater understanding of the brain that will improve the lives of patients around the world. It sounds like you've got so many exciting projects coming up at LHSC. Sandrine, when you're not performing surgeries or working on your clinical research, what do you like to do in your free time? That is, if you have any. <laughs> I'm fortunate to have a great family and I love to spend time with them. So we like to ski, hike, play games, read, uh, as well as enjoy traveling, which we do quite a lot since we're going to multiple international conferences during the year. Centrine, I'm very grateful for you taking the time to join us and educate us on what's fascinating research and, and practice. And if our listeners are interested in learning more, uh, where can they find out more information about your work? So one way of, of following up with our research would be to uh, look at our website uh, from the lab, which is brain3dvis.com um, or through the LHSC uh, website under my name, um, 
or through publications that, that we do as well. Thank you for that. And I'll put these notes in our show notes for today too. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you very much. I'd like to thank our sponsor today. Established in 1922, Children's Health Foundation, CHF, inspires caring people to donate to support healthcare excellence at Children's Hospital, TVCC, formerly the Thames Valley Children's Center, and Children's Health Research Institute. Children's Health Foundation help strengthen and transform the healthcare experience by funding equipment, programs, and research that ensures better childhood for kids with life-threatening or life-limiting diagnoses. Thanks to the generosity of Children's Health Foundation donors, Children's Hospital was able to purchase the Rosa One Brain robotic arm and begin performing leading-edge surgeries that cure children of their epilepsy. Purchasing the Rosa was funded 100% by donors. Having the Rosa is only possible because of community-minded leaders like the podcast listeners today. You can start learning about leading-edge care for our kids by joining us online at childhealth.ca and on social networks at CHF Hope. Children's Health Foundation is honored to gather our community together in support of life-changing technology and medical innovations like the ROSA. We're so grateful to support the best possible care for our children, youth, and their families. If you'd like to get in touch with us at the Robot Industry Podcast, you can find me, Jim Beretta, on LinkedIn. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Be safe out there. Today's podcast was produced by Customer Attraction Industrial Marketing, and I'd like to recognize our team members, Chris Gray for our theme music, Jeff Bremner for audio production, my business partner, Janet, and our sponsor, Children's Health Foundation of London, Ontario.